We're live. Welcome, everybody. It's Monday, January 2nd. Happy New Year. It's 2023 all around, all around the world. Today was a big day, obviously, for those of you that follow Tesla. They uh, announced their product production and deliveries numbers. But before we even get into that awesome craziness, I want to introduce Alex. Alex is somebody that has been part of the Tesla community for a little while. Uh, he covers uh, a lot of the legacy automakers as well as Tesla. Um, he's based out of Germany. But Alex, go ahead and uh, give yourself a, a nice uh, a little introduction and we'll take it from there. Sure. Uh, happy to. And, and thanks for having me. So I, I guess a couple of guys out there and girls out there know me already. Um, I'm around since, I would say, 2012 in the automotive scene in the battery electric vehicle uh, community and trying to educate and inform a little bit in particular what's going on here in Europe. Um, actually, I started by understanding there's a big disconnect in between what in the U.S. is considered as happening in Germany and in Europe and what I see is happening. And so I, I never considered myself as someone who's an influencer or someone who's kind of important to listen to, but all of a sudden <laughs> it, it developed into a, into a strange thing with a lot of articles and Twitter followers and Elon replies and, and stuff like that. I, I still don't know how this happened and I don't <laughs> care. I mean, it's just how it is. Uh, I think where I'm adding value to the community is with uh, analysis about what I, what I hear and, you know, just connecting the dots. So bringing the information together and trying to make sense out of stuff that is confusing as a first glance. And today is probably a good idea because you have information about production deliveries, which I believe will create a lot of noise um, and, 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 no, and maybe a little bit signal, but uh, we will discuss that. Yeah. So how about we just get right into it? How does that sound? Let's just Get, get, hit that topic right away um producer wife go ahead and pull up the um the uh the link for the production deliveries uh, there's a uh, multiple sources that have been shared uh, i'll bring up my buddy gary black because uh he's my bud and uh, we disagree on a lot of things but i still really value his uh his insights but there is a snapshot of uh, tesla's production and deliveries um and it's um yeah it, it's a set of numbers that folks were uh, really looking forward to uh, for Q1, uh, for Q4, sorry, for 2022. So uh, if this is the first time you're seeing it on the stream, here are the numbers. Uh, I'm sure 99% of you already know the numbers, but we'll go through them anyway. Uh, for Q4 2022, uh, Model S and Model X, they delivered 17,147. For Model 3 and Model Y, they delivered 388,131 for a total deliveries of 400,278 and a total production of 439,701. Last time I saw Wall Street was expecting somewhere between 415 and 420. I think 417 was the official number. So uh, if you put that against the Wall Street uh, delivery expectations, it's technically a miss. From the production side, they... Uh, I didn't really see a lot of uh, like reliable production es estimates, but 440 I think was right in line with uh, with uh, esti estimates. If anything, might be a slight beat, uh, but the delivery number is really the one that usually drives a lot of the noise. So maybe first uh, glance, uh, Alex, some of your thoughts. What do you think about these numbers, and then we make it into a conversation. So um, here is where I'm a little bit different. I believe, like everybody else, I, I don't really look at all into the guidance from analysts on Wall Street. Um, I actually believe that, you know, these guys are making guesswork and they're making estimations and making calculations based on their best 
knowledge and I appreciate that, but I don't care, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> so this is for me not nothing to really look at. Some people are saying, well, the stock price is going up and down because it's a miss or it's a beat. I don't care. And that's where, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to make a step back all the time if I'm talking Tesla and German automakers and trying to get the big picture. I don't care if it's 10 or 20 more or less on production or delivery or whatever. I understand a lot of people probably don't like that, but le let's, let's understand what's happening here. I mean, this I don't know how many analysts of Wall Street guys are making these estimates. I've heard a number of 40 or so. So if a few of those make a ridiculous high number, the average is going up like crazy. And all of a sudden, it's a miss against that what Tesla has developed or produced or delivered. Although for Tesla, this is a big win. And if you read the tweet from, from Martin, um, so investor relations, head of investor relations from Tesla, we see that they don't consider this as a miss. And there's also an, a tweet out there from the head of production, I think, from Austin. And he's also saying, don't bet against Tesla. We are making it happen. So these guys are pumped up like crazy. And this is just fantastic news. I, I just don't see why anything about these numbers is negative because some guys in the financial world believe it should be higher. I don't care what these guys believe. What I care about is if Tesla is growing as expected, based on their own guidance long-term, if I see any hiccups, any issues, any points to worry about, for instance, inventory. So inventory is building up, obviously, because uh, deliveries are lower than production. So people will claim, oh, that's a big problem and that's an issue. But if we listen to Sachs, the CFO, in the, in the Q3 earnings call, he said this exactly will happen. So we will see more inventory in Q4, he said at the call the Q3 call, uh, because they're trying to smooth out the uh, logistics in between the different, you know, continents. In other words, it's expected. So listen to that. I, I don't see any issue. He actually, I'm, I'm very happy with his numbers. I, I think this is fantastic. It's the first time above 400,000 vehicles delivered. And uh, there was another tweet out, which, which I found interesting to put things into perspective, which is, for Tesla, it took 10 years um, to, you know, deliver 400,000 vehicles. And they do now the same stuff in three months. Think about that. It's just sure. So I'm, I'm pumped. I, I'm positive. I think there's great numbers. I don't really care short term if the stock price going up or down very much. I believe sooner or later this, this will smooth out. People will understand what's happening. Um, and that's my take on it. Okay. No, I appreciate that. There, there is a. I'm largely aligned with you because I, I, I definitely look more long term and I think about the trend that Tesla has been going on and their growth. Um, I do have a couple things I want to push back on. Let me read Martin's uh, tweet real quick. So, 440,000 cars made and 405,000 cars delivered in Q4. Delivery growth of 40% and production growth of 47% in 2022. All things considered. I'm super proud of the team for this result. A smoother delivery pattern will require more vehicles in transit, which is why production is greater than deliveries. And that's exactly what you just went into, Alex. Martin Vieca is the investors relation head of Tesla. Um, there, there's two things that stick out to me. Um, one is on the Q3 call, um, 
and I'm curious to hear your thoughts. There were two types of verbiage that was given by the company that were uh, that one of them was subjective, and it was kind of I guess they were both kind of subjective. One was uh, Elon Musk calling Q4 epic, and then the other one was Zach saying that deliveries will come in slightly below 50 percent. Um, how how do you view that sort of verbiage at Q3 at the Q3 earnings? And with now that we know what the numbers kind of are from a delivery production perspective, um, how do you view those two things, or is it sort of uh, irrelevant? I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Well, I believe obviously in China they had challenges in terms of of deliveries, maybe even a little bit around demand. I don't know, but and and maybe this can be considered or discussed into. Um, the, the, or what sex, the guidance from SEC wasn't achieved. So I'm fine with that if people are trying to make that case. But <laughs> I need to smile about it because, you know, everybody is talking about a recession, a tough recession. Even Elon is, you know, ringing the alarm bell in terms of a lot of issues and we should be prepared and this and that. And then you have a company which is growing 40 to 50%, which incredible margins and profits in in a challenging situation with a war in Europe, with a pandemic in, in China, that's not so easy. And with a lot of, I mean, with, with an interest rate increase in the US is, is kind of nuts uh, to fight inflation really, really very high and very fast, uh, which has an impact, obviously. So um, considering all of that, I think it's a, it's, it's fantastic, you know, execution. And, and yes, you, you can make that case, but you also can make the case that that Sex said before that they are planning to grow 50% and that, that started in uh, 2020. So when they had uh, roughly 500,000 vehicles delivered. So if you make the math and calculate this 50%, then you come up with 1.1 million for Q4 and you have a growth rate of 66% in this quarter. So compared to their guidance of 50%. Um, so what I'm trying to say here is it's not, <laughs> it's not that bad. I mean, they're yeah. actually, they are over-delivering over the years. Um, everybody calls them totally nuts to achieve half a million in 2020. They did that. And their guidance moving forward, everybody said, this is, this is crazy. They will never achieve that. And now here we have 66%, which is crazy. So yes, you can say sequentially, quarter by quarter, it's 40% or 47%, fine. But hey, let's not forget the big picture and where we are and what Tesla is doing. In addition, the mission is to move the entire industry in the right direction in terms of sustainable you know, energy and sustainable transportation. And this is what they achieved. I mean, they are doing that. They are outpacing everybody. I, I don't see any company is growing that fast in, in, in pure battery electric vehicles globally. So it's amazing. And I think we should not forget that. Um, on top of that, and you know this, of course, um, there is Austin, which is ramping. There's Berlin ramping. And people have been disappointed in the beginning because it wasn't a very fast ramp. But I believe it's it's happening. You know, this is this is gaining pace. And and you remember that, that Elon said, you know, pedal to the metal so they don't stop at all in the spaces call he he doubled down on that so i i don't see i don't see the big concern here yeah um yeah. so and and we discussed that i mean you know this if if even if demand would go down for whatever reason the levers tesla has to attract buyers 
I mean, there's no company out there that has the margins Tesla has, and they can reduce them and attract a lot of new buyers, which before couldn't afford such a car. And, and, and let's look at the fact these are premium vehicles, pretty expensive. This is not, you know, the small compact car segment we are talking here about, 25K or something like that. We are talking about 49K around that number, pretty expensive vehicles. They still sell a ton of that and growing like crazy. So if you put all of that in perspective, um, I hear you and I understand that people say, well, this is a miss, but it, is, it isn't. If you, if you look at the big picture, the company is executing very, very well. And I expect also a new Gigafactory to be announced soon. We will see. Maybe at the investor days that they just announced happen. I think in March, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Um, so uh, we will see what's happening there. Maybe they even introduce or guide for a compact car or for a robot taxi or whatever. So all of that together, yes, short term, you never know what's happening with the Tesla stock short term. And I'm an yeah. investor since beginning of 2014. So... Uh, and if I look back and compare with today, I heard the same stories. So uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you remember you remember very well all the people claiming Tesla is going to go bankrupt, there is no demand, and once a competition yeah. is coming, they're going to be toast. So compare that with today, yeah, and then look at the look at the competition, look at the market. W what can happen? Yes, there can be. Black Swan events, we, we can discuss that. But at the moment, I'm, I'm not worried at all. Actually, I'm very happy with my investment. And I, I continue to add. So because I think it's it's the right moment to, to consider that. I make never advice because I, I don't know the people behind. So I just can give my thoughts and ideas. But you also know that ARK Invest started to buy big time in the last two to three weeks. Uh, millions of shares they collected. And I think this is, uh, you know, if you have if you have capital that you don't need the next years, I think it's a fantastic opportunity long term. That's my my opinion. Nice, yeah. I it's funny you brought up the parallels to um, like the say 2017, 2018, 2016 around that time. Um, I like you. I've been investing in the company. I was uh, around that time as well. And there's so many parallels to be drawn. What's what's interesting now is that. Like a direct one, I can remember that to the T was the Model Three ramp, and like uh, uh, and the demand concerns around Model S and X, and how it was going to cannibalize the product, and how they're they're unprofitable, and they're reliant on government incentives, and nobody's going to want to buy a piece of junk car, and there's not enough buyers out there for EVs, right? So a lot of the conversations were kind of very similar to that, uh, but now Tesla is doing it from a standpoint of profitability extremely uh, strong financials, uh, a ramping secondary business in energy that I think could be the uh, the very big surprise for 2023, but I'm going to hold my judgment. One of the big things I said, I went on Yashu's channel and hit that bid. And I was telling everybody, just lower your expectations to zero and you'll be pleasantly surprised anyway. <laughs> right. So I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm trying, I'm telling saying that and mentally I'm having a tough time doing that for myself because I'm just so excited about the prospects, but it's just such a weird environment now that we have, we're in a bear market. There's a lot of talk about recessions. You have short-term uh, misses against analyst consensus. You have this sort of this Twitter thing that's adding a lot of fuel. You have a, a lot of noise coming out of China with COVID and, and some demand uh, 
perceived issues, real or not, it's tough to tell at this point, especially since the COVID outbreak there had is, is horrific, uh, this the kind of stuff that's happening over there right now. Um, plus an economy that's sort of teetering on, on the edge. Just so many factors. But um, I, I, I personally, it's tough for me to not keep coming back to the fundamentals the way you outline them, which is uh, continued growth, uh, very strong fun- fundamentals, and uh, uh, this never-ending demand at the right price, it seems. And if, if there's somebody that needs to cut prices to get that demand lever pulled, is Tesla. Everybody else is running at 4% net income percent. Uh, Tesla's upwards of 17, 18. And I'm curious to see I, this quarter quarterly report, and I know you're not necessarily too uh, focused on, on short-term here, but this quarterly report is going to be fascinating to watch because even in, in this mis-environment, quote-unquote, if they're able to re- deliver record uh record net income, strong margins, a ramping energy business at a price earnings multiple of around a forward of around 17 to 20. Boy, that kind of looks crazy. <laughs> like that looks like a, uh, a lot of potential. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, um, people are always accused of for being fanboys and in our bubble. Uh, so first of all, I would say we've been all in bubbles decades ago too. People just don't understand that the bubble we are moving in is now just bigger, which is a good thing because in a bigger mm. bubble, you have more diverse opinions that are shared. Before we've been on social media, we've been with family, friends, and co-workers, and this was a bubble too, but a much more difficult bubble because it's a smaller bubble. So secondly, um, in terms of the so-called miss or what people <laughs> believe to be in miss, I need to laugh about it, sorry for that. No um, this quarter you want to is, me. Uh, is is um, I know for instance here from Germany they had a lot of challenges with logistics um, so not enough trailers and truck drivers and a lot of challenges around that area in terms of really having the space to deliver um, so there's been issues around there a lot of people I, t- people texted me who are waiting for their car who thought they can get it in Q4 and I'm actually one of those and they still need to wait for Q1, to, although my car is already in Germany. So um, I don't want to downplay it still, yeah, right? So it, there are challenges in the processes here and there, but I don't see any severe underlying issues, and this is what I'm looking forward to. And all the issues you just mentioned in terms of beer market, you know, interest rates going up, uh, Twitter discussion about... Elon erratic and making strange tweets. I, I agree partly to that. I mean, there's been strange tweets from Elon, which I would have hoped he wouldn't do because it's more private opinion. And and people consider this private person as an official tweet from the CEO of uh, Tesla. Um, and they can't distinguish in between the two. Um, however, um, all of these influences have created an atmosphere and, and in this beer market that shorts could, you know, um, use that for, for their benefit. Um, and that's fine. I mean, they made billions. Fine. Good for them. But to be <laughs> honest, how I look at it is when the market goes down, but the fundamentals of a stock are extremely strong, you are sitting on a big buffer, on a cushion of value that will show up sooner or later. If the stock would be overvalued right now, say it would be, I don't know, $600 or whatever, that's a time where you have to be concerned about the future of your investment. 
But if a stock is down and and your your analysis brings you to the conclusion that that it should be valued much higher, then you're actually in a safe spot. Yeah, if if you have the time to wait. So that's that's always very important that you don't have to have some money at a certain point in time near near time. Um, so if you can wait, I think it's a it's a good opportunity to be in there. Um, we all don't know what the future brings, but I mean, and you work for Tesla, you, you you know that if you just look ten years in the past and and how they developed over time to the day today, it's it's just going Completely up, different. up, up. It's yeah. it's just going very good, very smooth. They have internal issues, but everybody would have such a growth rate with, would have these issues. So, tell me why this should break down all of a sudden at this stage. I don't see a single reason for that. Even if Elon would go out, the company would just execute because they have fantastic management, and I believe they they know exactly what they do and they they go and run and and do their thing. Um, there's a plan out there that, that's also clear. Otherwise, they wouldn't have invented, invited for the investor day, which I think it's a, it's a good sign in terms of communication so that they hopefully uh, develop a little bit more communication with the community because there's a lot of confusion out there. And, and that's, of course, hitting on the stock price from time to time. So my recommendation is really to try to avoid the noise and really listen to the signal um, for instance, what I do is um, I dive deep into the into the the data and the, the balance sheet and stuff, but I don't talk to anybody. I just do it for me. So try try not to read too many articles, <laughs> listen to too Stop many following YouTube channels. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying. No, no, I know. <laughs> it's 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 critically important that you build your own opinion if you want to build. Um, you know, an investment strategy that works. Um, Yes, uh, later on, I'm absorbing information here and there. But first, um, it's it's key and critical to just look at the blank numbers and really to listen to what Elon and Zach are saying and what they are not saying. And you just mentioned, for instance, Tesla Energy. I would have hoped that, that, you know, the megawatt hours deployed are, you have been included in the PND report, that would have been nice. Actually, I, I've sent a tweet out, I think, yesterday where I've said, I, I hope that they would stop sending the PND report at all because Tesla is a technology company, not an auto company. And all the analysts making the auto calculation, which I believe is leaving out a critical and important big portion of the, of the company. Um, and, and it's giving a, a perspective and a focus on an area which is important, but it's not the only one which is important. So um, obviously Tesla can't do that because you know the financial world in Wall Street would, would kind of try to kill them for that. <laughs> um, but uh, you hear me. I mean, you, you know what, I, yeah. what I'm trying to say. Right? 100%. Yeah, I, I really think th- th- there's a few things that you said that, that I really agree with. The, the not not showing production and delivery numbers is a very interesting way of thinking about just how the multitude of, of industries that Tesla is starting to get into. And I think the fact that, um, 
That, like that to me in my head sets it up for a surprise potentially, right? Because, you know, we could be going into a quarter that are like, oh man, they missed on deliveries. And then all of a sudden energy, I don't know, doubles in the quarter or something from a larger base and that yeah. could blow everybody's minds, right? So that that's a very okay. fascinating thing. Um, and then the other thing too is um, you mentioned the, man, there's so many things that, that you said. The the In March 1st, Producer Weff, if you can bring bring up the uh, tweet by Matthias uh, highlighting this, uh, talking about their their future growth uh, prospects uh, and all this stuff, uh, it was announced. I think I think today as well that uh, Tesla will be holding a uh, twenty uh, an investor day in uh, March first, twenty twenty three. If you can click on that image for me real quick, uh, producer wife, if you don't mind. Uh, we plan to host Tesla's 2023 Investor Day on March 1st, 2023. The event will be live streamed from our Gigafactory, Texas, with the option for some of our institutional and retail investors to attend in person. Details to follow. Elon, get me and Alex in there, please. Awesome. Thank you. Our investors <laughs> will be able to see our most advanced uh, production line, as well as discuss long-term ex uh, expansion plans, Generation 3 platforms, capital allocation, and other subjects with our leadership team. And then the verbiage there is very fascinating to me because... Like you said, it talks, I mean, it loosely alludes to the Gen 3, uh, like the, the robo-taxi compact car, the cheaper car in the Generation 3 platform. Uh, capital allocation and other subjects with our leadership team, uh, to me, what I hear is Gigafactory, maybe Master Plan Part 3. Um, what what goes through your mind when you read this message? And I'm, I'm going to reset my Bluetooth while you do that because I, I'm hearing crazy buzzling. But go ahead and, uh, and talk and I'll catch you in a couple of seconds. So um, when I look at that, I, I feel like Tesla is trying to reset the scene. So um, and and this is justified because again the, the focus on the auto business is important because the vehicle is gonna be a um, a vehicle uh, indeed for a lot of other subscription services like full self driving. Um, so and other revenue streams in in terms of that respect, but. But um, what makes me happy as an investor is that I believe the market is totally missing still the picture what Tesla is about. So um, having worked kind of 20 years in the software industry, uh, you know, the margins in software are crazy. And the vehicle business is important in order to position the software underneath. And, and this is where Tesla shines, obviously, regardless whether we talk about Robot taxi, full self driving, or the bot, or you name it. So um, I feel like, as and you indicated that Tesla Energy is a sleeping um, giant, and um, I've been talking about this, you know, business unit for years, and people all the time saying, yeah, you know, but it's very small. They're not growing. It's disappointing. There's no margin. There's no break even. Yada 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 which is all true, but I don't care because we know why this was slow. Um, the, um, the order intake for the mega packs is until end of next uh, end, of, end, end of this year. So they have enough orders to produce almost the whole year through. So now let's talk demand, right? So, and this is a fantastic um, product with a high, you know, gross margin simply because it's way less complicated to put the batteries together in a mega pack and to sell the stuff. And we all know that Tesla is ramping up battery production like hell. They are buying whatever they can get. 
and uh, they are doing exactly what I listened to when I've been at Cato Road when the battery day at the battery day presentation. They've been executing hundred percent on their promise, and this is how I judge a company. I look back and say, okay, what did they promise? What did they execute on? What did it deliver? And where have they had delays and 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 why? And everybody will now jump out of the box and say, well, full self-driving, this has been promised for many years. And the same has been promised for many years and never delivered. Yes, that's true. But um, that's how a company is growing. There are challenges and issues in order for expand the business. And this has nothing to do with demand. In terms of the quality of the products they delivered, they usually have overachieved that. There are small hiccups here and there, but the, in the grand scheme of things, they definitely over-delivered. So I'm, what I'm trying to say here is the investor day is, I believe, giving us a very good guidance for the future where Tesla is going to. Can you still hear me? I hope. Yeah, yeah, I can. I got you. <laughs> I saw that. I mean, I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what can I say? I mean, I, I think, first of all, it's good to have better communication. Um, and I think they are touching on a couple of things that, that are key and critical um, for investors. They obviously um, want to take care of investors, which is good. And um, and uh, let's see where this goes from there. Tesla has shown in the past, they make mistakes and then they try to correct the mistakes. And yeah. I hope and I believe this is what we are seeing here. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you there for sure. The the investor, the, the March, that investor day, I, I really do believe it's a direct, uh, it's a direct response to some of the uneasiness that has been <laughs> happening in the uh, investing world, especially with all, you know, Tesla being down 70% uh, for the year from, from all, from the highs. And, uh, you know, again, these are short-term things, medium-term things. It doesn't really touch on the long-term sort of potential of the company. But I do wonder how much of that March 1st meeting is going to be like, hey, remember back in uh, 2013, 2012, when everybody said that the electric car was not going to work and that we're not going to be profitable? And then Q2, we came out and said, well, we're profitable and the stock went crazy. Okay, so is that kind of getting back to that thought process, but now thinking about the next 10 years of where Tesla is at, you know, getting to 20 million cars a year, getting energy ramped, you know, that that whole energy story is so reminiscent of that Q2 2013 report uh, from back in the day where literally everybody was like, Tesla is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of in my life. And then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, we delivered, what was it, 20,000 Model S's? And uh, we turned a profit and everybody's like, oh boy, okay, so this is real now. Uh, Tesla yeah. now has the opportunity to do that again on that baseline of, uh, you know, almost 1.8 million car production at 25 to 30% margins, uh, up to upwards of four to $5 billion of net income per year or per quarter, uh, $20 billion of cash, zero debt. I mean, the story sounds pretty damn good. And, and, and what's even and additionally more um, interesting there, and again, I'm trying not to put on too much of a rose-colored glass, like you said, like, you know, people call us fanboys and in a bubble. And I'm like, hearing myself talk, I'm like, I get it, <laughs> you know, but it's like, I'm just saying what the things are, you know, I, I think I am. Uh, something else I heard today, I was on a Twitter space with uh, Stock Market News on Twitter. If you don't follow him, check him out. He has really good spaces. Elon actually joined one of them a couple of weeks ago. There was a gentleman that joined the space uh, who talked about how um, he was always a value investor. 
and somebody that only looked at companies where the you know they, he was very uh, sensitive to a uh, price earning ratios and you know uh, market caps relative to earnings and uh, you know very value driven and the one nugget that he dropped on the call which I'm like oh boy I wonder if that's a that's going to be a trend for 2023 is my he it, speaking for him myself and other people that I know this is what this gentleman said that are very prone to value investing are now seriously looking at co- at a company like Tesla because now that the PE has compressed the way it has it's becoming a very attractive investing opportunities for folks that are much more value-minded, long-term thinkers from a value perspective, not from a potential perspective. So um, if Tesla executes their growth plans and they continue to bring new products and they continue to print money the way they have, all of a sudden you have a company that has both variables potentially. They have the growth and they have the value. So could that create some sort of... Uh, you know, I think that this kind of correlates directly to what you were saying at the beginning, where it's kind of hard to value a company that has its uh, has its sort of hand in so many giant industries that's going to generate a lot of profitability for the company. Uh, could this? Could we now start seeing in 2023 that reality come true in 2020, 20, uh, in 2024? Um, yeah, it's just it's just a fascinating thing that I'm starting to pick up on. Is like value investors are like, wow, Tesla looks like a good deal. I've never heard that before. <laughs> I've never heard yeah, that that's, before. Yes, that's, that's totally new. And uh, I also brought this uh, Warren Buffett story up because I believe it's not totally crazy to do that. Um, mm-hmm. at, at the end of the day, he invested in BYD. And and Tesla's, as you said, I mean, the cash Tesla has situation in terms of demand and production capacity and the team, how they are executing. So it's hard to find um, a scenario where things get totally off rail. So I'm happy to be educated here from from everybody and I'm trying to figure out what could go wrong, but but it's hard to find that. Um, You know, if if we talk about production, I'm always saying Tesla is actually only one model because Model 3 and Model Y are 70% the same parts. So every other automaker would be totally, you know, happy to give his life to get such a situation <laughs> that they are delivering 1 million vehicles a year and still growing by 50%. Think about it. With one model where, I mean, two models, to be honest, or two variants, whatever, however you want to call it, because the yeah. costs are so low. And Tesla is still, you know, operating leverage is still playing here. Um, economy of scale is still playing in here. So I see actually a lot of opportunities for Tesla to become even better. And this is cash flow, you know, cushion they have. It's it's hard to find a scenario that they get in kind of trouble. I mean, let's go back 2016, 17, or even further back. Tesla didn't have any cash on hand, really, for a long period of time. So a recession, that situation, I would totally understand that the stock went down but now i believe it's it's actually it's it's a big portion is macro and big portion is certainly also twitter i'm not saying that what ealing is doing with twitter doesn't have an impact on the stock but it's all emotions it's not fundamentals and as an investor i'm always looking for stocks which are fun companies which are fundamentally sound and strong but emotionally there is a big problem because people just don't like something. And this is what we see right now with Tesla happening. We all don't know when the stock will go up again, 
But one thing I learned in about 30 years at the stock market, I started investing with 20 years. And I, I lost all my money in the beginning, which wasn't a lot because I never had really money. Um, what I learned is, you know, um, if a company is really fundamental sound, all what you have to do is to wait. Unless you see something weird or negative is happening, and this is what I'm looking forward to, let's assume, I don't know, Russia is throwing an atomic bomb or something like that. Crazy, crazy stuff. All the stock markets would crash immediately, right? Um, the same, actually, if a real bad recession is happening, there would be a strong weight on the stock markets, but this wouldn't change the strong fundamentals from Tesla unless demand would go down like crazy. Tesla could not invest in new gigafactories, so growth in the future would slow down. But all of that I don't, just don't see because in a recession, people want to have a car that doesn't cost that much to maintain and to operate. So we've just seen, I mean, I've been posting yesterday the story from Hertz, who just discovered that their cars, their battery electric vehicles they, are, they have bought, are 50 to 60% lower in cost to maintain and operate. 50 wow. to 60%. And their, their profits exploded, which is fantastic. So what we see here is that the um, industry starts to understand how attractive battery electric vehicles are and we know that they also buy, you know, uh, Model 3, I think, and Model Y from Tesla. So adding all of that together, in a recession, Tesla may be down short term, but they will come stronger out of the recession than anybody else. So going to the German automakers, which is kind of the, the f my focus all the time, because in the beginning, when I've been starting investing in Tesla, everybody was saying, well, you know, when once the Germans trying to push out battery electric vehicles, Tesla is going to be toast. And I didn't buy that. I'm an engineer. So I've, I've, I, I believe that the situation in terms of moving from a legacy ICE company into a battery electric vehicle is a very tough path to go. So they have a lot of debt capital and assets in their organization. So this is the, the tweet I've been referring to, which pretty much went viral, which is interesting, because for me, this was clear from the get-go. I mean, there's no news here, right? We know right. that years and years that, I mean, for my Model 3, I just don't pay anything for maintaining it, really. Um, it's, it's so cheap. And now this big company is starting to understand that. Um, so in other words, in a recession, Tesla will be better off than really anybody else. Obviously, other BV startups, smaller companies, BYD, um, will, be, um, will be in a good position as well. So I'm not saying that Tesla is the only one. But Tesla will come strengthened out of the situation. And uh, I've been posting and tweeting today two things. One is that um, uh, Audi is starting to reduce costs in the next 10 years in its factories by 50%. So they need to cut the cost, the baseline, 50% down. Just imagine what that means. This is crazy. So 50% means that a lot of people need to go. They need to change their production process totally in the next 10 years. And guess why they are doing that? They need to stay competitive somehow against the battery electric vehicle players like Tesla. This is a big challenge. The same is happening with Mercedes-Benz. They also need to cut costs down, and Volkswagen, obviously, too. So um, 
they are in a worse position than Tesla, way worse position. I didn't really watch their stock price that much, but I guess it's not down that much because Tesla is considered more a technology company. And if you look in the market and you know that in the US, um, all the other companies been going down 80%, even more partly too. So there's there's a overall negative sentiment for a company that is very strong fundamentally and has a bright future. And in my opinion, uh, the best product line in the entire market. I mean, the semi is going to revolutionize the truck industry totally. Um, this this vehicle is amazing. The Cybertruck is coming out there. I've never seen Europe, which is not a truck continent at all, so excited about a truck. So really, if, yes, it's amazing. Tell me more even about people, that. Yeah, I have a lot of yeah. people in my environment, fam, even around family and friends who wants to buy one or already ordered one. <laughs> this is crazy because we do not know whether regulation will allow it for a couple of reasons in terms of safety on the streets because the situation is very much different compared to the U.S. Uh, for pedestrians and bicyclists and stuff like that. Um, but there's there's a lot of excitement here. And even I, I found even myself attracted by it. And I'm not a truck guy either. So um, it, it's interesting. I believe there will be market here in Europe even, Asia anyway, uh, Australia anyway, Africa, of course. I mean, if if it's affordable, and it will be for certain people, it's fantastic car for these regions of the world. So, and you know the 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 order book of of the Cybertruck, right? So, I, the, the the last numbers I heard was one point three or one point four million That's crazy numbers. Yeah. So, let's talk about demand here. It's it's this is how ridiculous it gets. <laughs> and again, everybody can say, hey, okay, you are a, a total fanboy and you're blinded. You don't see the problems. And I say, okay, tell me the problems. And I don't get really anything of substance. I'm happy to listen. Uh, and I understand the Twitter story is really drama. And, and you know drama because you know, you work for Tesla. There's drama <laughs> all the time. Um, <laughs> My but drama, drama queen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, drama is just coming and going. So, um, so I, let me I ask you about that. Let me ask you about that, because sure. I'm curious to hear your perspective since you are in Germany. And it's like, you know, it, it, I'm curious to see if um, this this drama, this this Twitter thing is is really a problem for long term demand call. Because one of the things that I, I've been hearing, which I don't buy and I've tried to test this. And I think at least in the U.S. and the circles that I'm in and sort of the diligence I've done, one of the theories, one of the hypotheses is that uh, the the. Twitter stuff is a going to be a drag on the Tesla brand. It's going to keep people from buying the car. People associate Elon and Tesla. This is a big problem. You know, he's pissing off his core demographic. From my research, what I found, uh, just talking to people and trying to just piece stuff together, it's very non-scientific. But it seems like for, for the number of people that he's pissing off, he's like gaining 10x on the other side of people that really love what he's saying, at least in the US. But like most people don't care. Most people are not don't have the time to pay attention to this stuff. So uh, and if I look at the uh, sort of the price decrease that they did in the US to get ready for the EV tax credit, they sold out of inventory basically in, in two days for especially for the Model 3 and Y. So I'm like, okay, there's no people ultimately will vote for the with their wallets. Uh, if it's a good value proposition, and it makes them happy, they're not really looking to, uh, you know, um, look at the leader necessarily, even if it 
if it aligns or doesn't align, does the product make them happy? And it is it something they can afford? And the parallels that I draw are things like uh, Amazon and Jeff Bezos. Uh, Jeff Bezos is not looked at very fondly by a lot of people, but people use a same day prime all the time. You have the whole uh, uh, sort of workers stuff with Apple and their and their phones and the cobalt supply chain, which is a disaster. And then everybody buys an iPhone. Right. So it's like uh, like and I don't want to diminish why people would want to buy Tesla, but for the long-term prospects, doesn't seem like that's the case. And one of the things that I hear in my DMs and my comments is like, well, you don't understand uh, the, the European market. It's very much different. It's much more liberal. Like Elon Musk is destroying European demand by saying what he says. I'm curious to hear your take. How plugged in are you? Are you seeing anything? I would love to hear your thoughts on that and, and what you've seen. So you, you brought up the only argument that make some sense and where I've been saying, okay, maybe that's something we need to look at, which is, you just said it, that because of the behavior and everything that happened on Twitter that some people on the left in particular don't like, um, you, you're going to have a draw on the demand and people are going to cancel their orders because they believe they just don't want to buy this brand. So, and I obviously only have anecdotal evidence as well, like you. Um, and all what I hear is, I mean, first of all, Europe is a little bit more liberal and more on the left, and that's true. Um, so if you like more democratic oriented, but I believe there is a lot of missing information too. So in terms of judge the political scale in the US in a balanced way. So because Trump was kind of a pretty difficult guy to to listen to, most <laughs> Europeans are totally fed up with him. And they loved Obama. So, And I understand why. And I, I liked him too, so no doubt. And um, so it's, it's, a, it's a little bit notion. Everything is be better than, than, you know, than the Republicans, which I wouldn't, I wouldn't agree to. I'm actually more half-half. Mm -hmm. um, in the political landscape. Yeah, I would, I would call that. So, there are parts where the one party, I agree to them and then the other way around. However, so this just to the, to the political landscape is a little bit more left here in Europe. That, that's, totally, that's totally right. So um, the media is totally fed up with Elon Musk because you, you know that. I mean, they, they get a lot of clicks by smearing Elon and writing negative stories about it, about him. And it's about probably 95% negative right now. And only a small portion is justified if you really read the articles. There's a lot of factual wrong information in, this, in, this, uh, in the media. But I'm used to that. I mean, this is happening since many years. At the moment, it's, it's getting worse again, obviously, because of Twitter. So does that have any impact on the demand here? If it would, why is the inventory in Germany and in other countries in Europe empty? There is no Tesla available, zero. <laughs> yeah, zero. Why is the pricing for the for the Model S going up 10K? And when I would try to buy, uh, to sell it, I mean, I get my car in two days. If I try to sell it, which I probably do because I get a, I get a surplus on it, which is just crazy. Yeah. Um, so why is that the case if there is any brand damage? If you look around um, the first data that came in Norway, you probably know already 
which which has fantastic numbers again. Um, France has fantastic numbers. I expect very good numbers from Germany again. And it doesn't matter really. I mean, Switzerland, it's the Model Y last year was the best-selling car, not PV cars, the whole year from all cars delivered. And and this is kind of Switzerland has been, you know, f firm in the hands of Volkswagen all the time, like many countries in Europe. So I don't see I don't see that demand was going down or people canceling orders. I actually haven't heard from a single order being canceled. I've heard from a lot of people, as you described, saying, okay, I don't agree with Elon here and there, but at the end of the day, I mean, it's a great car and I like it. If I, if I listen around to my family and friends and maybe they're all brainwashed for me, um, they, they, are all, they are all happy about, um, they, they, they all believe that the best battery electric vehicle you can buy is from Tesla, period. That's what, what they believe. And these people are not deep in the details like I am. And I'm doing, like probably I do you, I don't know. Every, every day I have two to four hours where I just do, you know, search, read, 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 yeah. and, yep. and get an understanding what the heck is going on out there. So anecdotal evidence, it probably means nothing, but I don't see uh, any indication that um, that demand is going down. I actually also agree to your point of view. What what Elon did on Twitter is move, moving a little bit more um, to the right side, trying to create sort of a balance, if you ask me, with this free speech approach. And, you know, I, I think this is the right way to go because you need to listen to both sides. I don't like Trump and, you know, all those haters at all. I don't think that they've been doing anything good, but we need to listen to those guys and we need to, to discuss and argue with those guys to come up with a, with, a, with a strong democracy. If we don't do that, we shouldn't be surprised if we have this division in our countries and all the problems associated. So what I'm trying to say here is Elon's intention with Twitter is a good one. and But obviously, a lot of people do not like what he is doing. And the media is always a little bit left-leaning, probably here in, in Europe more than in the US left-leaning. Mm. Um, and they don't like this at all, and they don't like that there's no ad revenue from Tesla at all because there are hundreds of millions coming from the European automakers, and I know firsthand that they are influenced from that. Uh, we call it sizzle in the head if people, journalists, are careful to write a negative story about a European automaker. So they, mm. they try to avoid to step on certain feeds. And I also know firsthand that these automakers have lists with journalists whom they are inviting to certain events and whom they are not inviting. And they, they make marks, you know. They, they look very carefully what, what someone is writing. And if there's too much negativity coming, you are just not Gonna, not going to be invited anymore for the next vehicle release, which is having a direct impact on your income. So yeah. people are very careful here in the mainstream media what they write. And, and I'm a little bit a maverick here because I write whatever I want, which is a reason that the big media never pick up a story of mine. They actually attack me as a fanboy, although they can't really argue against the, the facts that I'm trying to bring out. So most of the stuff I'm trying to bring out is 
is more or less rooted in data. This is actually how I started, just posting pure blank data, not any right or left, just the data. And that has an impact, I believe, and helped with with you mean you're a journalist oh my goodness (laughs) what you're describing yeah go ahead i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off please go ahead no it's fine go ahead no i was gonna say like what you describe a lot of the landscape you describe is very similar to the u.s from what i found uh like some of the sort of like watching uh what happens you know the uh with the different uh, mainstream publications and whatnot. What I would love to get here from you is what what is the mainstream media saying about? Because we talked about legacy auto a little bit as you were going. You know, like uh, it seems like your immediate circle understands that Tesla is the best product uh, in their opinion. However, you have a mainstream media that's painting Elon uh, in a very negative light currently. Uh, a lot of it not factual based on based on some of the things you've said. Um, but I'm really curious to see like. Uh, from a legacy auto perspective, because it does seem like they play games like they do here, what is the media saying about legacy auto and what is actually happening based on the things you've seen in Germany? So um, so the situation is severe. It's more severe than people realize. We see, we see automotive industry, we see legacy automotive industry, and that's not only relevant for Europe, it's also the, the fact in Asia, but in particular in Europe, there is a big problem um, happening right now. Most people don't talk about it um, because nobody wants to read about it. Um, and I've been trying to ring the alarm bell years ago, and unfortunately, exactly happened what, what I predicted, that the, that the overall sales numbers, sales and units will go down. Um, they've been compensating by using the shortage in, in, in chip shortage, for instance, and battery shortage just to sell premium, high, very expensive battery electric vehicles here in particular in Germany. So Mercedes and BMW, um, Porsche, good examples. And they've been cornering themselves in a luxury niche, which you can call it's fine. I mean, you have, you know, People with you know, big pockets uh, can afford to buy a car for 120, 150 um, Euro, K euros. And um, that's okay. So they've been boosting their profits big time in the last years. But they've been losing the touch to the average consumer who can pay 30 to 50K for a car. So, and these people get more and more used to automakers from abroad, which is unusual because in the past Europe has been very, very much in the hands of French, German, even UK automakers. And this is changing big time now. So people who are ever been driving a Tesla and owning one in Europe, they don't go back. They don't go back to the former brands because first of all, um, to get anything near, they have to pay a ton more of, of money for it. And secondly, the software experience is just horrible. And uh, there's a lot of things that don't work and nobody's really discussing this. I mean, there's a kind of a blocking community and scene out there, which is providing the stories, what what all is bad. But um, you have to read a lot and listen in between the lines and interviews to understand that there is a, strong sense of urgency in the automotive world in Europe. So the problem is, and you probably know that, that in Europe in 20, 
34, 35, there is no combustion engine you can sell anymore, so that's over. Um, and the battery electric vehicles, yes, they are growing, but they are growing very, you know, not fast enough. And and if you project it in the future, you just see that in particular the German automakers, but also the French automakers, are going to be much smaller with the rest of the industry, and Tesla is going to dominate because they are growing so fast in Europe. So um, that, that's, that's a big problem, but there is no real awareness. And like in the US, with incentives, with lobby work, they are trying to pump money into the industry to keep them alive all the time. There's a justification of keeping the jobs and keeping this company strong. What these people, and this is a politicians, and they often never have worked in the industry. What these people totally forget is if you give an automaker a lot of incentives so he doesn't have to innovate to bring the cost down, you weaken the people long term in terms of competitiveness. So I do see a big issue boiling up here because the time that is lost in terms of innovation in the last years is not coming back. So, and you see it right now, for instance, just let's take an example of this Volkswagen Group. The MEB platform, which was the dedicated battery electric vehicle platform from Volkswagen, was initiated by Herbert Dies, which I really liked because he was the only one giving a straight, you know, straight objective. We go 100% battery electric vehicles. We have to do our software on our own from existing 10% vertical integration with software that we ourselves develop up to 80%. So he had ambitious goals. Now, we all know that he was fired and he introduced the MEB platform. And the next platform after um, is the SSP platform. And that has been delayed from the new CEO, Blume, who came from, from, from Porsche. So the former and still existing CEO from Porsche took the seat from Herbert Dies at Volkswagen Group, and he stopped almost everything. First, he fired all people who, wow. who Herbert Dies brought on inside because he was looking for a network. Uh, Herbert Dies was a little bit an, an alien within the VW Group because he came from BMW. Usually, you have only a CEO within the VW Group who's been growing up in the organization over decades. And Blume is one of those. So he worked for Audi and other Skoda. He, he's been growing, making his career steps over the decades. So he is he's kind of a VW guy from the get-go. And he is now he is now the chair. He is now the one who's ruling. And he was, first of all, getting rid of the network from Herbert Dies. And all those guys have been very battery electric vehicle-minded. And also the mindset we need to develop our own software is over now. He doesn't even give any guidance anymore. And he delayed the next uh, generation, the ne next battery electric vehicle generation, SSP. Uh, he delayed that um, to the end of the decade, which is killing VW, if you ask me, because the MEB platform has proven not to be standing up to the, to the demands from customers. You see this very nicely in China, where the numbers from VW went down like crazy battery electric vehicles. I don't talk about ice cars here because they're going to be dead anyhow in a few years. So who cares about what they sell yeah. in uh, with a combustion engine? But in terms of battery electric vehicles, I don't see really the competitiveness that is needed to keep this large organization with more than 600,000 people on board really um, 
profitable and growing. I don't see that. Actually, the numbers go down and I'm concerned, more concerned than ever before, simply because of the decisions Bloom made lately. Um, so uh, he opens the door in terms of software to use other vendors, which is fine. I mean, other software companies, we'll see what's coming here. Um, but by doing that, um, Volkswagen will group lo uh, lose long-term most of the value generation because in battery electric vehicles and digitalization, most of the value generation is within the software and not within the metal that you put on the street, right? right. So um, therefore, uh, margin profit will go down within the BW group by definition. And Blume has now put the pressure down. Herbert Dees made a lot of pressure, which is one of many reasons why he has been fired. So everybody loves Blume now because there's not a lot of pressure anymore. They kind of go back to, well, we will continue to sell ice because there are other parts in the world where combustion engines are still needed, which is true. But you and me know that the biggest market are North America, Europe, and, and, and China. And these three markets will go fully electric. There's no question. So wow. I'm, I'm really concerned about this direction. And I see a manager who is probably uh, optimizing his own bonus and commission for the next five to 10 years. And Volkswagen is going to be in a big problem. And a similar story is happening with BMW and Mercedes-Benz. So uh, wow. I, I know I sound like Cassandra, but uh, you know what can I say? <laughs> I mean, it sounds very. So, if I'm going to dry, uh, uh, drive a uh, like use a parallel to the states here, I mean, it sounds a lot like the story with uh, GM, Ford, and Chrysler slash Stellantis. I think Ford can get a little bit of credit for sure that you know at least publicly and some of the products that they're trying to build in the F-150 Lightning and the Must Mustang Mach-E, they are trying to push it forward. But like Stellantis, I don't really know what they offer that's anywhere close to an EV competitor. Uh, GM likes to talk a lot but they barely sold any EVs here in the last couple of years. Um, and um, so, it, but in Germany, it sounds almost uh, not, probably just as bad. Uh, if, if Mercedes VW, B, uh, BMW, uh, and I guess uh, Peugeot, Renault, all these other brands as well that are European, uh, many, uh, what are other European brands out there that are pretty big? Seat, Fiat, right? All these other uh, manufacturers. It doesn't well, seem like... Yeah, it doesn't seem like they're really um, driving nearly as fast as they should, which opens the door, like you said, to Tesla, B BYD, and whoever else wants to come in and eat their lunch, uh, which so, is unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Herbert Dees made a right statement when he said once, you need about three generations in battery electric vehicle platforms in order to come up with a good battery electric vehicle. He was right. And yeah. the VW is now kind of stopped the, the second platform, which is Artemis, which was supposed to start in 2025, 26, and now delayed to the end of the decade. And even the factory, there was a plan to do a, to have a dedicated new factory in Wolfsburg nearby, which like Greenfield um, from scratch, which I believe is the right approach because if you have a new factory and you can design it like you want just for battery electric vehicle optimization, you get a much better productivity out of that compared to you have an old factory and you just try to 
refurnish it in a way that it works for your, yeah. you know what I mean. So he cancels that. So I think this is not. I mean, it's 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 delayed to nobody knows the date, and um, we all know that the ID three, for instance. Is is taking uh, three times as long to produce compared with the Model Three, three times. So it's ten hours versus thirty hours, and this is you can imagine what this means in terms of cost. It's crazy. Wow. So obviously VW is, is is talking the talk and they are investing in, in 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 battery production and here and there. So they are doing a lot of stuff. It's not that they are not doing anything. But it's it's not enough. It's not enough at all. And I believe the underlying issues you have in terms of culture and in terms of speed of innovation is killing them because Tesla is not stopping. And the biggest problem here of all, and we haven't discussed it very much, is that VW is a mass producer in the low-cost segment, right, at least for, for European perspective. So golf, class, compact car, polo, these are the cash cows of the organization in the past. So um, they don't have really very much compelling battery electric vehicles. Yes, the ID3 is selling, not so bad, but not really that good. The ID4 is more the SUV version. They have high hopes, by the way, now in the US from Tennessee there to, to bring it out in the US and to sell it. I believe it's going to have a big problem with, with Tesla and <laughs> because people will compare. Um, so, But the issue here is the Asians. The Chinese companies are moving now to Europe, they are launching in Europe battery electric vehicles, which are, from a software perspective, much, much better compared to that what German automakers have presented so far. So, um, and their capabilities to produce a new nice car for low cost are really impressive. So, um, I'm not talking necessarily about the NEOs, but BYD and others are coming over too. There's quite a lot. So, I believe that this will eat into the market from the German automakers and French automakers big time because they can produce cars on a way lower cost basis compared to what in Europe is possible. And they're still going to make a profit. Um, so And they are going to compete against the, the German automakers. And I, I see that a lot of people I talk with which have a history of buying Audi, uh, BMW, and Seat, and, and VW, are considering going into the into the Asian, you know, battery electric vehicles. Tesla is probably too expensive for them here and there. So, and there are other options out there: Kia, Hyundai. So, really good BVs that I would recommend. So, to people, I just recommended to a good friend the uh, the Soul from from Kia, which is really nice, pretty big, but but good, I believe. Um, battery electric vehicle. I've never driven it, so I probably shouldn't shouldn't say that. But what I hear from people um, from that brand is pretty positive. So, um, and this will have a big impact on the economies here in, in Germany and in Europe in terms of value creation, because at the end of the day, a big portion of the of the of the income is coming from the German automotive industry and the machining industry underneath as suppliers. So, yeah. Um, yeah. That's how I see it. And again, I mean, people can say, you know, you're a fanboy, fine, no problem. But give me argumentation why Tesla is not doing good on the on the premium segment and the Asian automakers not doing good on the low-cost segment. I, I don't see that. And we see the starting already in China where they are really, the numbers are horrible. I, I'm looking forward to the Q4 numbers 
from German automakers in China is probably going to be really bad. Why? Because I haven't heard anything positive from from media, from interviews, from the managers from the German auto industry. It's kind of they're saying not a single word anymore about China, which is really odd. Um, so we will see. Well, and China, and China is the largest. Uh auto um, market in the world, 20 million cars per year, I think it well, is. Well, you know, like 40% that. of the unit sales and 40% of the revenue from Volkswagen Group is coming from China, 40%. Wow. So, and this went down down like that. And they are still selling ice there. So, so you can imagine, it's crazy. Yeah, it's, it sounds like, so like the, the, the sort of imagery that I'm getting, if I'm going to draw like a US-based parallel is Detroit. Detroit uh, is the home of well, what it was the home of GM, Ford, Chrysler. You know this this giant. Uh, uh, I don't know, just just uh, industry. Uh, that's where everybody went to be part of the uh, car industry of the country. Everybody was proud. You know, it, it came out of Detroit, U.S. made, American workers, American ingenuity, American technology. And then over time, what ended up happening is Toyota, Honda, Kia, Hyundai. Tesla, <laughs> you know, also American, which is good, but um, but they ate their lunch. They ate their lunch, and and we're starting to see that again here. But to me, if I'm going to draw a parallel that I'm familiar with, it sounds like a lot of the European sort of places, especially you know places in in Germany like Wolfsburg and and other places that are big automotive bases. It seems like the same thing is happening again, but in a different market to a different uh, to a different city and a, to a different industry. Um, and it's sad. It's sad to hear. Now, hopefully they can turn it around. But if I look at, you know, we were talking about balance sheets before. If I look at GM and Ford's balance sheet in the U.S., over $100 billion in debt in an asset that's going based to zero because it's being switched out. Volkswagen, I think it's upwards of $200 billion of debt with 40% of their revenue coming from China, which is uh, collapsing. That doesn't seem like a recipe for success. Um, and then producer wife, if you want to pull up um, a tweet with the Honda, the Honda sales, um, this came out uh, earlier today. Uh, there is a uh, account. I forget the guy's name. I'm blanking on, on his Twitter, but uh, here, uh, perfect. Call dealer, car dealership guy on Twitter, CDG, as he likes to be called. Honda just saw its largest sales decline ever in 2022, down 33% year over year. Hate to say this, but think twice before you buy a new Honda. And if you scroll down a little bit, producer wife, um, he actually gives the reasons why uh, from what he's seeing. Um, a lot of these auto manufacturers, like you kind of alluded to Alex earlier, is like, well, they're using the, they're saying chip shortage and they're saying, hey, supply chain challenges. One of the things he's bringing up, CDG, is uh, the car buying incentives Honda is offering consumers keep fall, uh, falling. Dealers Deals are getting worse, but that sort of makes sense, right? Why offer consumers incentives when you barely have cars to sell, relatively speaking? So that's like, the, hey, we're not, we can't produce enough cars. We can't produce cars. Um, and then he kind of talks about, hey, you should you know, buy a pre-owned Honda instead of a new one. But 33% year-over-year decline in Honda, which is a brand, if I'm going to you know, visualize Honda, at least in the States, It's a Honda Accord. It's a Honda Civic. It's a Honda Odyssey. Uh, it's the Honda, um, you know, there's a, another model I'm blanking on, but like the S2000 is my favorite one, you know? And uh, these cars that are known for mass market, they're everywhere. Everybody's buying them. But what's one big thing that Honda is missing that I can't picture in my head is an electric vehicle. And they're down 33% 
year over year where companies like Tesla and BYD and other EV manufacturers, you know, BYD and Tesla wouldn't pull, put in the same sort of category because BYD is mostly hybrid and mostly sells to the lower market. Um, these companies are growing their sales dramatically, even in this relative miss of 40% delivery growth. My goodness, they're still growing 40% <laughs> year over year while Honda is dropping 33 and it, so this story is not just in Germany. It seems like everybody's being impacted by this. And like you, I'm very curious to see uh, all automakers Q4s. I'm going to go through every single one of their uh, pr uh, production delivery reports and their uh, earnings reports because um, it might be the beginning of the end for some of them. And I've been, you know, you and I, I think I've been talking about this for quite a while. Uh, somebody refers, to, I think it was Elon Musk that referred to it as the slowest train wreck in history or Sandy Monroe or somebody said this. But it, it, it looks like we're starting to hit that wall, that, that train starting to come off the rails a little bit. And uh, it's getting a little lost in the noise of um, Elon Musk and Tesla because they're such, such profitable keywords and search terms on the internet right now that the collapse of an entire industry that is right in front of our eyes is happening and it's not getting any attention. And that to me is kind of confusing. It is, it is. And... Uh... I just kind of refer to what I said in the beginning in terms of where the ad revenue is coming from for, for most journalists, you know, and uh, and all the other incentives these guys are getting from the automotive industry. And I've seen I've seen blogs in Europe which have been pretty balanced and positive about Tesla, who turned all of a sudden mute or even negative. Once I've seen the first ads from larger auto companies showing up on their site, huh. so maybe this is a coincidence. No I coincidence, know, but but <laughs> it's just it's just it's just strange. And you know, you just talked about unit sales, and I totally agree to this analysis. But let's talk about profits. So most in Europe don't make profit with their battery electric vehicles. I believe that that the Taycan, that 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 Porsche makes some profit. And by the way, uh, Taycan is um, has lost sales over the year each quarter, so they are they are going down in terms of volume sales, unit sales. But because this is the, the Porsche vehicles, car, right? Porsche Taycan. Porsche Taycan is the only BEV they have, and yep. the next one is gonna be probably released in two years from now. So it's 40,000 that they sold in one year. And this company has been valued 100 billion, I believe, totally crazy. Makes no sense. Yeah, it's been more, the capitalization from Porsche have been higher than from VW Group. I mean, just picture that. It's just a name. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice name to have. So they had a big success with the IPO. But if you look at the fundamentals again, uh, what kind of future vehicles that's going to sell battery electric vehicles, good battery electric vehicles do they have? So the only one is a Taycan and they've sold in one year 40,000 and the numbers are going down. So I don't know why people invest there. I, I just don't get that. And um, the other thing, and you said this, with the, with the battery electric vehicles these guys are producing here in Europe, most will only make a profit um, for the um, for a low cost version like the ID3, if they sell millions, and VW announced lately, I think it's a quarter ago, or so that they've been selling now 
500,000 vehicles from the MEB platform, which is great. Uh, but this is accumulated over all years, so all together. So it's all that together is almost, I mean, a little bit more, a little bit more than what Tesla sold in one quarter now. Just <laughs> picture that. Yeah. So this is how far away they are. And it's not long ago that everybody said about VW Group, they're going to overtake Tesla next year for sure. And I was saying this is not going to happen. I don't see this in the data. And people just said, well, you're dreaming, you're a fanboy, blah, blah, blah. I don't see it happening. Um, particularly on now not with, with Bloom on board. We will see where this goes to. But the problem is really the profits. If they can't make decent profit, they are unable to invest in the future. And the other aspect is not only the debt, and, and you are right, VW Group has a crazy amount of debt. It's, and by the way, these are bonds which are bought from the European Union even. I mean, from the central bank, not European Union, in Europe. So VW Group is supported by, by politics, by governments, which are buying bonds to keep the company stable. It's crazy what's happening. Wow. Um, but the other point is, um, if you can't make profit per vehicle, um, you, you're going to have one issue. You're going to have another issue with battery electric vehicles. If you have a business model that was leaning for 100 years now, or almost 100 years, on um, reselling, resen I mean, reselling vehicles, they have a big business, VW Group, and also the spare parts. Um, most people don't know that with spare parts for ICE vehicles, there's, there's easily on spare parts a, a margin of 50% on them. Yeah. And with battery electric vehicles, you just don't have that. You know, there's no exhaust pipe you have to exchange. There's no oil change and all of that. It's all going away. And this has been very important profits for this large legacy automakers coming in all the time. And this is going to dry up over time. Actually, I don't believe that they are going to be really or go bankrupt or out of business. I believe that, that the governments will try to keep them alive and bail them out somehow because they are so interviewed with politicians um, and the same is true for France. I, I don't see, I mean, they're going to suffer. At the end of the day, taxpayers will pay the bill to keep them somehow alive, to keep the jobs alive. Um, so, but um, I, uh, I have my doubts. I mean, they are going to shrink. Um, they're trying to, to shrink profitable, which means that they are not selling the low-cost models anymore. And this is exactly yeah. what's happening with BMW and with Mercedes-Benz, and they are even proud about it. You know, they, they've been, oh, we have great BEVs, costs crazy, crazy expensive vehicles, um, which just only a few fanboys from BMW and Mercedes are buying, which is which is fine. I have no problem with that, but it's small numbers. And on the long run, these numbers won't help to keep these organizations alive and invest into the future. And the biggest investment for this guy is still to come. And if you listen to BMW, for instance, they are still talking about hybrid, uh, hydrogen, you know. They are still pushing pushing this forward and still claiming, like, we shouldn't decide only on electric vehicles. Um, this is not this is not good and blee, blah, blah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Porsche is wow. pushing e-fuels. So these are the um, um, produced fuels in Argentina. And they are claiming that this is needed to keep the, uh, um, you know, to reduce the CO2 emissions for the existing fleet. Um, I doubt that this is a, a solution at all for a variety of reasons. 
And I doubt even that there is um, any reduction in CO2 by doing that simply because the efficiency is so bad if you if you go for for that fuel. It doesn't make mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of sense for me. Yeah, I mean, um, situation is severe. It's it's not it's not going to go better. I don't. I mean, I would love to see a really good battery electric vehicle in terms of software from one of these brands coming out where people are really happy for it. At the moment, they cow they buy they buy small BEVs like um, from Renault, for instance, um, and and other brands. They buy them. They are selling well. Fiat has brought the E500, which is really popular um, because it's cheap, and and people need a car and they want a battery electric vehicle. So they buy what they get. But the moment they can compare with really someone who's bringing a much better software out there, it's gonna be tough. Um, yeah. And we see this in the um, we see this in the registration numbers because the Tesla vehicles are usually in the top three. Um, categories um, in the top three ranks and if you look right and left the other battery electric vehicles there are just half the cost you know <laughs> so really imagine if models. tesla had the same pricing it's basically the the lesson here right it's like yeah, if exactly. tesla had a the same like that compact car that cheaper car that can go up with a fiat 500e and a, and a peugeot i don't know 206 e or whatever they're selling nowadays i remember the peugeot 206 or the renault 206 renault two, yeah uh, no peugeot 206 which one is it renault or peugeot. peugeot i think it's peugeot, peugeot. it's peugeot yeah. yeah when i was i lived in spain that was i that was my favorite car growing up when i was like 10 years old i'm like i want yeah. a peugeot 206 <laughs> you know yeah think, well or look at yeah. the uh zoe renault zoe very that's small right. yeah, that's car one. really cheap like the e500 and and people here in europe they, they like the small cars for city driving and stuff so you find them also on autobahn but not that often so yeah. are, this format is really popular so if tesla would come out with a, with a compact car around 25k you know, boy, that would be a competition for them. You you can bet. And we haven't even talked about the supercharger network here because a lot of issues are with charging and people are really, you know, have big problems like with Electrify America in the US. You guys have a lot of problems there too. And the Disaster. same is happening here in Europe. Yeah. And the same is happening here. So um, it's getting better, I would say, here and there. But... If you if you don't want to have problems, I mean, use a supercharger network, and this is opening up step by step, right? So Tesla is offering this um, here and there for other brands too. So I find them occasionally, but not they're not opening up all all together at once. So I'm not sure what the strategy here is. It's it's happening slowly. Yeah, the the one thing you brought up before as we were talking was. Um, you know, the, the governments are likely to bail out the automotive makers in, in Germany that uh, are going to like more than likely I think you, we both agree. The highest probability chance is that your Volkswagens, Mercedes, BMW, Porsches, GMs, Fords, all the legacy automakers, Hondas are going to be suffering quite a bit this decade as they try to transition out of their gas cars into the electric cars because you have to do three things in order to be successful. You have to be able to build an EV, then you have to be able to build it profitably, and then you have to build it so that people want to buy it. <laughs> it's very hard. Yeah. It's very, very hard to do. Yeah. So uh, they have a, a tall task ahead of them and, and bailouts are likely. 
the one thing I want to bring your attention to, and I think you uh, shared this as well, and I think you're aware of it, but I want to kind of paint the picture of what the what the bailout is starting to look like in the U.S., I think. And I'm curious to hear from your side what you're seeing from the German government as well. If producer wife, if you can bring up that tweet that I asked you to stage uh, with the table uh, from my from my Twitter uh, uh, account. Uh, and I made a video about this yesterday. If you missed this, uh, I'm bringing you up to speed. If you already saw this, because I was yelling from the freaking rooftops yesterday and I apologize if <laughs> driving people mad yeah. about this, but I was really worked up and my wife's like, yeah. just disconnect. I'm like, I can't. Um, if you click on the, <laughs> if you click on the chart for me real quick. So the EV tax credit has gone live in the United States uh, through the IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act which uh, has stipulations where uh, if you're somebody who's under a certain income limit, I think it's $300,000 a year combined or 150 individual. Uh, if you buy a SUV up to $80,000 MSRP, you get a $7,500 credit. As long as the car has a seven kilowatt hour battery, that's loosely the rules. And then all other cars will be under 55,000. So it's created this really weird dynamic in the States where uh, hybrids like the Audi Q5, Quattro, a BMW X5, X-Drive, Ford Escape plug-in hybrid, a Jeep Grand Cherokee, and a Jeep Wrangler, which uh, if you look towards the middle of the chart, you can see all of these have five seats. All of these are considered SUVs by both NHTSA and the EPA, which are uh, basically governing bodies in the U.S. that rate the safety and the uh, economic benefits and the clean cleanliness of the cars. All these cars label all these cars as SUVs. You can see sort of like from an environmental perspective and electric range, those hybrids get upwards of 61 miles per gallon equivalent, which is pretty good for a gas car. Uh, and then you go all the way down to, say, the Jeep Grand Cherokee and Wrangler, which get 20 miles per gallon equivalent with electric ranges in the 20s and 30s. And all these cars get a $7,500 tax credit starting January 1st of 2023. If you compare it to the Tesla Model Y five-seat configuration, this car doesn't currently get the credit because of how they've written the rules on what is an SUV. And Tesla is not considered an SUV, the IRS is saying, and thus it's not getting the EV tax credit, which creates the situation where you are decentivizing people to buy an EV with the EV tax credit, which to me is completely mind-blowing. I just do not understand that. I don't get it. Um, so this to me looks like a bailout. <laughs> this to it me is. looks like, hey, let's give a $7,500 credit so that these automakers can push their most profitable vehicles. And let's not worry about Tesla because they already make enough money. They don't need help. So that's that's the vibe I get, which I, doesn't sit well with me as a U.S. taxpayer who, uh, you know, we put a bill together to subsidize EVs. And now the Jeep Grand Cherokee with 25 miles of range and 23 miles per gallon is getting a $7,500 EV tax credit. That doesn't sit well with me. So I'm already seeing this happening in the U.S. What are you seeing in, in Germany and other European markets uh, from, a, from an incentive perspective uh, that, that could be sort of subsidizing some of, the, some of these things? Or are you not seeing anything? What's, what's the, uh, what does the landscape look like over there? Before I answer your question, allow me to to add a little bit here on on your point. So Please. first of all, as a European, I'm as enraged as you are. I think it's totally nuts and makes no sense at all. Um, but I'm not surprised. This will probably surprise you, and I tell you why. When the IRA came out and the the, the it was outlined first, the European automotive industry was, you know, shocked. Because they didn't know that 
based on the regulation, uh, if you don't have a battery production in the U.S. and you manufacture your vehicles in the U.S. fully, you just do not get these incentives. And by not getting them, you won't be competitive anymore against the U.S. automakers who qualify. So there was a big, big discussion. And all of a sudden, that discussion stopped in Europe. I haven't heard anything about this anymore. And I found this really suspicious. And in the interviews, when journalists been asking auto managers, they said, yeah, we will see how this plays out. This is bad for us. But let's see, maybe we find a solution. And I got my ears with being like that. So what I'm trying to say here is, and this is speculation. I don't have anything to back this up. It may be completely wrong. But I believe the lobby groups have had conversations um, to design the IRA in the way that at least a portion of the European automakers have a, still a good position um, in terms of getting these incentives, in particular the ones who are unionized. Um, so we all know that Biden doesn't like Tesla because there is you know, just no union there and he's a union guy. And I believe this plays into it. The, the entire IRA in terms of how it's designed is, has for me nothing to do with battery electric vehicles or climate change, but more with um, strengthening the economy in the US in an upcoming recession um, and trying to put incentives in the industry uh, to keep them running. This is what I see is happening here. So, and now I come back to your your question. So, you are now you're now really mad about this hybrid story. I've been mad about this years ago, here in Europe, because there has been incentives for hybrids for years and years, and all the studies and data um, showed that hybrids are often only used one-third, if at all, in an electric way. Um, in Europe, you have a huge fleet of um, vehicles that are company cars. So almost everybody who has a job here gets sooner or later a company car that the company is paying for. So these are leased vehicles. And hybrids got a big incentive, so the companies lease these hybrids. Um, but when they came back to um, to the to the fleet manager two years ago, two years later, um, they discovered that not a single time the, the battery was used. So this guy's wow. been driving around with with a hybrid simply because the company gave them, and that's very normal. You get a a, a card where you can you know fill your your car with gas for free because the company is paying that. But this was only for gas and not for for charging. So people have been totally disincentivized to use a hybrid as an electric vehicle. They only use it as a gas car. And that has led to a situation that on average, the mileage, electric mileage was really low. But the governments paid big incentives for the automakers, which the automakers loved. So, and you know, hybrid is pretty complex vehicle, so you have two drivetrains in there. It's a lot of complexity. The incentives helped um, the legacy automakers to keep good profits going still. 
Um, but from from a climate change perspective, it's totally crazy what happened there. So this changed um, after a couple of elections in Europe lately, and the European Commission realized that this is not a good way to move forward. And after more and more studies came out, they're showing that hybrids are almost as bad as gas cars huh. um, in terms of CO2 emissions. So, and in Germany, since yesterday, there are no incentives anymore for hybrids. So that's gone away. That's killed. That's uh, overdue, if you ask me, but it's fine. Yeah. And the incentives for battery electric vehicles, so full electric vehicles, went down, which is also good. So people may ask me, hey, what, what are you, you are supporting this battery electric thing? So why do, I mean, why no incentives? At the end of the day, it's all about innovation. If you, if you pay for the surplus and costs that the industry has, and they don't have incentive to bring the cost down, they're not going to be competitive in the future. Most people don't understand that. If you ask Elon, he's saying the same thing. He's saying the best thing would be if we don't have incentives at all. Because not incentives for gas cars and not incentives for better electric vehicles. Then have a level playing field and then it would be clear. Yeah. But if you give selected automotive companies, and this is happening in the US now too, uh, through incentives or IIA uh, money um, to somehow be a little bit or better profitable, you hinder the pressure, you hinder them innovating, bringing costs down, being more competitive for the future. And the time you are losing is a problem here because the time is not coming back. By not having full pressure and, and going with, with full force into innovation, into battery electric vehicles, the time that's, that's gone, it's going to kill you later on because you have lost the ability to be fast enough to have competitive, profitable cars in the future. And this is what you need in order to survive. So... I'm I'm very much critical about incentives. I think um, I understand the motivation, but the the list of people who want a better electric vehicle is long anyhow. So why are we having these incentives out there if there are so many people are waiting? And then people tell me, well, but I can't afford it. Well, you know, if you look at Germany, just one example. Um, and Europe is diverse. You you, you live in Spain. You, you know how it is. Um, in Germany, I mean, in uh, a lot of Tesla vehicles that, that have been bought in Germany have been sold to Denmark right away. New cars. Because in Germany, you got a nice incentive for buying a battery electric vehicle. So you want to put in his pocket and still could sell the car for the same amount of money he oh. bought it from. So this was a business model. A lot of people have been doing this big time. So people have been accusing me for hey, you are publishing this registration numbers about Tesla, which is not true because a, a big portion of those cars are sold to Denmark. And that's true. So there was kind of a delusion going on here um, and, and a strange business model. So what I'm trying to say, um, incentives often do not accomplish what people think they should. Yeah. They fire back. And they, it's often lost money and it's very often good lobby work. To, to get hold of this money, but it's short-term thinking. It doesn't help you long-term. Yeah, yeah. The, the 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 big lesson that I'm learning, and you know, I'm I'm 35, turning 36 this month, and uh, you know, the older I get and the more I'm exposed to, the more I'm I'm starting to realize that 
it seems like the more incentives are created, at least in the in the say the U.S. government, the more decentives are actually created. Because like like the the train of thought you were going on, and and as I'm going to go on a rant here for the next five minutes, probably I'm going to tee up the the uh, comment section for Q and A. So make sure you pay attention to uh, producer's wife's message. Put question before. I'm assuming you have like 15, 20 more minutes, Alex. Can we go two hours? Sure. Are you okay with Absolutely. one time? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. I appreciate you. Thank you. Um, the This IRA tax credit is such a uh, weird way of rewarding automakers that have done nothing. And it's rewarding automakers that are making their cars heavier. And it's rewarding automakers that are making their cars less efficient because they have two drivetrains. It's so weird to me. It's so hard for me to wrap my head around this concept. And I should have been up in arms about this when the, you know, the bill was written back in, you know, when it was passed middle of last year and there was some, you know, noise around this happening already. But now that I'm seeing the list, I was at least, ex uh, uh, you know, expecting, well, the Model Y five-seater is an SUV. So at least it's like the even, it's an even playground of incentives. But then it's literally the opposite. It's decentivizing buying what's probably going to be the most popular electric, probably the most popular vehicle period in the United States from a unit perspective in the Model Y. And that car is not able of to take advantage from the EV tax credit when a 20 mile per gallon Jeep Wrangler with 25 miles of range can. And that is that just hurts me in a lot of different ways, you know? And uh, I just, I can't comprehend how this, I just don't know. And, and, you know, part of me says, well, you know, it's probably there was an oversight in writing the bill and the way it's being applied and it's a mistake. And this is some of the complexities when you're trying to make something complex, so on and so forth. But then we put it within the picture of what you just described, which is a failing auto industry that is making basically no money, very low profit margins, heavily dependent on a, on a service part distribution business, $200 billion of debt declining sales everywhere. Okay. I don't know. I, I, you know, I try not to be a cynic, but boy, I, the older I get, the more I'm like, this whole thing is just corrupt. <laughs> I just it, can't. It I, is. It is. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's, let's say what it is. I mean, we obviously do not know exactly how the conversation went there, but we see the results and your analysis is totally right. I mean, nobody would argue that the uh, Model Y is no SUV. I mean, that's, that's just ridiculous, right? And in particular, if you look at the other cars qualify, which are totally the same category. So there's the same segment. So nobody would argue against that. So the only conclusion we have is, that politicians together with uh, lobbyists from the automotive industry designed it in a way that fits purpose for them. And fitting purpose is, you know, the whole act is, is an idea of, you know, produce, build, uh, sell in the U.S., right? So this is the idea. But if you look at the data, who, is, uh, who has an advantage, it's, it's just... Tesla, because they do all of that since many years, compared to other large OEMs in the US who produce main, mainly in, in Mexico or in other places, right? So um, they don't have their own battery production. Um, they don't have plans to do that, probably even. So Tesla, if they looked at the numbers and what Tesla is getting, it it was clear to them that that you know, the incumbent, the unionized um, automakers in the U.S. going to have a bigger problem than before because Tesla is going to be way stronger. And they didn't want that. So they tried to find 
somehow an argumentation to take some of the incentives away from Tesla. And this is a result, which is ridiculous because we are not stupid. I mean, you look at this and you say, this doesn't make any sense. Everybody is saying that. It's, it's amazing that this has been signed, that this went through, um, and this hasn't been discussed in, in public. And I think you did the right thing with your petition. I signed it, and I believe a lot of people will Thank sign you. it because it, it makes <laughs> totally no sense. And we should, we should bring this up and, and create uh, you know, more audience for that, that people are really listening and sharing it. Because in particular in the U.S., I have more uh, trust into pressure on politicians. So if people are speaking up, th there's sometimes something happening And, and this is obvious lobbying, corruption, or you name it. It makes no sense at all. And I think people should push against it because it doesn't make any sense. Rules should be the same for everybody. And you can't argue that the... And it's the same with five-seater and seven-seater. I mean, this is the same ridiculous thing here. It, it, yeah, yeah, I can't just well, shake my head. It boils my blood. It boils my yeah. blood. It really does. Uh, and thank you for bringing up the petition. I appreciate you you uh, signing it as well. Uh, I dropped it in the private chat, producer wife. When you get a second here, if you can bring it up so people can see it and uh, maybe post it in the comments as well, uh, so that people can sign it. Um, real quick, it's just a, a petition to change the just fix this madness where a Wrangler with 20 miles per gallon and 25 miles of range gets the EV tax credit in the Tesla Model Y. Uh, oh, 14,000 people already signed. Holy shit! Okay. Awesome. That's awesome. That makes me really it's, happy. Oh, it's a crap. start. It's a start. But wow. I think it needs you need to get more pressure. And yeah. um, you know, uh, again, I mean it, it this this law, this act doesn't make any sense yeah. how it's designed right now. And it's again an example of um well, let's say a group of of interest group in the US who's trying to avoid that, that Tesla is too dominant. That's just how it is. And in particular, how Elon acted on Twitter, you know, bringing Trump in, although Trump will never tweet again, and and other things which are controversial, but, but at least it's a free speech platform. And we know now, and I don't want to dig too deep into it, from the Twitter files, that there are quite strange things happened in the past in terms of influence on social media, which is really disturbing and actually confirms a lot of thoughts I had in the past about how the media works, not only in the US, but also in Europe. Can't talk about Asia. Uh, but this is not good. And and I'm not surprised. I mean, there's probably no person in the world who has that many enemies as Elon Musk. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And He's just very good at making more enemies, <laughs> yeah. but it's but it's it's justified. I mean, I, I'm happy that someone is speaking out and not afraid. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's that's the that's where my mind always goes to because I do you know there is a lot of uh, he does create a lot of noise and he does have he has a public company he has an investor base and uh, I know uh, there's a number of folks that are uh, sometimes quite uneasy and uncomfortable with the direction he takes, but I do agree. I think ultimately I am happy that somebody of his stature is doing what he's doing to try and fix some of these. He's disrupt. He's disrupting trust, right? He's disrupting uh, sort of this weird thing where for some reason folks can 
work in, in government and take our taxpayer dollars and give the incentive to, again, like a Wrangler and a Cherokee and not a Model Y. That's just, it's insane to me. It's completely nuts. Yeah. And it, it's happening in, a, in an arena that, I, that I'm familiar with. And that's why I'm so worked up about it. But um, if people are interested in signing that petition, uh, I think producer wife has posted it in the comments. If not, uh, please do so. And uh, yeah, so if okay with you, Alex, we'll do about 15 minutes of Q&A with, with the folks sure. watching. Is that okay with you? Perfect. Uh, and thank yep. you to the 1,519 people watching live right now. Uh, I think we peaked at 1,550. was awesome. And yeah, thank you all very much for sticking with us. So when uh, producer wife has a second here, she's going to put on some cool, chill music while we answer some questions. And just like that, we're going on our first one. So from Jay and Alex, I'll let you answer all of these first because you're our special guest today. Uh, when is FSD beta coming to Europe? When do you think it's going to happen? That's a good question. So I, I would love to know. Um, actually, it's, um, it's a tough thing. Regulation in Europe, I mean, this is not really only Europe. This is UNEC, which is located in Geneva. Um, but that's a body which is covering also countries like Canada and, and others. Um, so it's not just the European countries, it's the majority of Europe. So, um, the, um, let's put it like that. Bodies who decide work in a committee that is not very transparent. We do not know what is happening there. And I know that there are a lot of lobby groups influencing these people. Lobby groups from the automotive industry. If you hear that, then you have the answer. So most automakers in Europe do not want to have full self-diving in Europe because they have nothing to compete against that. And I mean nothing if I say nothing. And we can discuss Mercedes-Benz and BMW in length, uh, offside, uh, no problem. But there's really nobody who's anywhere near. And it would be kind of a, you know, the last, the last nail in the coffin for a lot of automakers if that's coming to Europe too soon. So therefore, they will do their best to avoid that this is coming to Europe. And one way to do that is to smear autopilot, and they're doing this quite successfully. So I've been happy to hear from Elon that there are coming improvements with autopilot to Europe in March, I believe it's planned. That would be great in terms of speed sign recognition and stuff like that, which is really a hassle here because it doesn't work as it's supposed to. But full self-driving better I've been fighting for this coming over since a long time. I assume that the regulators will put a lot of stones in front of Elon to make it happen. But let's not lose hope. At the end of the day, it, it will come over. But I believe it will come probably the latest. I wouldn't be surprised if China is first and then Europe later. We will see. Sure. Thank you. Uh, next question. Uh, from Gino, thank you. Uh, what actions are needed to get the IRS to fix the Tesla Model Y classification error? Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I guess I'll answer this question. I, the, the petition is sort of my way of bringing as much awareness as humanly possible. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be using my platform to bring awareness to this. The, the one thing I'm encouraged by is that Joe Manchin, which is uh, one of the key people that was part of passing or not passing this bill, apparently he said something to the effect of, um, you know, looking at the current, how we're doing it right now seems weird. It doesn't really fit the spirit of the of what was written. So we need some better clarification. So I'm hoping that uh, the classification error as an SUV, if we want to call it an error, maybe in the eyes of some, it's on purpose. But let's just call it an error. Uh, that could be one of those fixes. 
And uh, yeah, we'll see. So I, outside of creating awareness and, and just making sure the U.S. taxpayer is aware of this discrepancy, I don't know what else to do. Do you have any advice, Alex? No, I think you know this much better than I do in terms of the U.S. how it works. But I think you, you phrased it right. I mean, at the end of the day, I believe the, the pressure from the street and politicians in the U.S. is 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 people are politicians are sensitive, more sensitive in compared to Europe if if a petition like that is going viral so i believe that that's a good path and we've seen in the past that acts have been changed adjusted and and if something went wrong so let's be positive here and and keep the pressure and uh, hopefully hopefully this is turning the right direction because nobody wants corruption but but it really looks like to be honest yeah, yeah. My hope is a clerical error that gets fixed, and if it's not, then I'll probably be the loudest person on the internet for the rest of the year. Sorry, everybody. Let's do the next question because <laughs> this is not right. Uh, from Manolis, thank you very much for your question. Do you think? Uh, do you think is the time Tesla should reveal the thirty thousand dollar vehicle or wait until Model Three and Model Y demand go down? Um, we talked about that investor meeting a little bit, Alex. But what what are your thoughts here? So my thoughts are, as long as demand for Model Y and Model 3 is extremely high, and I believe it is, I mean, Elon just liked a tweet of mine where I've said that it doesn't look like demand is an issue in Europe, and he wouldn't have liked that if demand would be an issue. So I, I call this an indirect confirmation. So as long as the demand is really high around the globe for these vehicles, um, there is not a lot of incentive for Tesla to go in that direction because they are capacity constrained all the time. I mean, ask yourself why they are trying to start a new location for a new Gigafactory and, and Berlin just started the, the process for application for the phase two, which is scaling the factory in terms of capacity from half a million to a million. So, and I still believe they will go to two million on the long run. So um, why? Because if they push for a 30K vehicle, um, you know, this car will need batteries and the margin profit will be smaller. So, and this will consume energy to bring the factory and the production line up and running and all of that. So I believe um, they should, they should, and I think they are sensitive about when doing that. So you shouldn't start too late. And I believe the design is already finished. So I wouldn't be surprised if France already has, Franz von Holzhausen, the top designer there, Tesla, has already, um, you know, agreed with Elon on, on a pre-production design on that one. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but we will see. I mean, um, if go demand really goes down and we see demand is going down, then it's too late. So because you need to ramp up, you need to build the market, you need to build the demand and all of that. So um, let's, for instance, take China. There are question marks now around China and competition in China. So maybe that's not a bad idea to consider getting prepared for China for um, a compact car um, that they can start whenever, whenever they want. And they will do it the smart way if they feel that demand is going to be a challenge in China. Actually, I doubt that because there are so many countries in Asia that are not getting any deliveries at the moment. So I wouldn't be surprised if they are running that issue. But long story short, um, it's better not to be too late. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the investor, sort of the investor day they're having on the on March 1st, where they directly 
uh, reference the Gen 3 platform to me sounds like some sort of unveil of some form for this cheaper vehicle, which is quite exciting. Um, but uh, the fact that they're alluding to it is is very, um, I don't know, I'm just very, very exciting. And I agree with you. I think the if, if Model Y, Model 3 um, are already sort of production constrained, I mean, we're probably entering a phase now where we're going to be production and demand sort of met during this recessionary period. Uh, and that's great for Tesla. It still means growth, <laughs> you know, which is a great thing. Um, but imagine once they they do open up the floodgates and they say, okay, thirty thousand dollar vehicle, you can place you can place a reservation now. That thing's gonna get five million reservations. It's gonna be yeah. completely insane. If Cybertruck's getting one point five million, this thing's getting five million plus. So uh, that's a lot of cars. <laughs> so they should probably <laughs> build out some factories first in preparation. You know. So uh, yeah, it's exciting stuff. Let's do uh, let's do a few more. Let's do the next question. Remo, Remo, friend of the show. He has a great channel. Go check him out. I believe you spoke yeah. with him too for like 10 yeah, hours yeah, or something, right? Yeah, I've been on right? his channel. Yeah, yeah, that was a great conversation. So hi, Remo. Um, That's awesome. So do you think, uh, sorry, uh, let me go ahead and read the question real quick just for those that maybe are listening. Sure. Do you think Tesla will hire Herbert Dees at one point? I would love to hear your answer here. So um, if the rumors are correct and Elon and and Herbert had discussions, I think back in 2014, before Herbert went to VW about getting started with Tesla. And um, and Herbert decided for VW, which I believe was the right decision. Um, and um, and they've been kind of, they had this romance, this bromance, you know, this, this was <laughs> kind of very obvious. Um, however, um, back to your question, I don't think this will happen. For a variety of reasons. First of all, Herbert Dies is still under contract from VW Group as a consultant, which is what you always do. These people are not working, they get just millions. But because he's been kicked out, you get this golden parachute. And a part of that is that the company is trying to make sure that the knowledge this person had has is not going into the hands of competition. So how can you do that? You just keep them hired and you pay them money for not speaking up. Obviously, there are NDAs, but if Herbert would start with Tesla, it's almost impossible not to. But just by speaking, you leak something out if you want or not. So it's impossible. So that's number one. Number two, I think Herbert is close to 60 years, if I'm not mistaken, even older. You know, he made his millions. He's pretty rich. He get, I think, 10 million or so for the next years. Anyhow, from VW, on top of that, what he already earned. I don't see motivation for him to go to Tesla because he has a pretty positive reputation about what he did with the VW Group. And he actually just started at, at an advisory board, um, supervisory board, sorry, for another company. There was an announcement that I've seen lately. So he's probably doing this here and there for a German company, I believe, not automotive, by the way. Um, so I could imagine that he's taking these roles where you just you know, not a lot of work and you get good money and you somehow are still involved in the industry. But I can't imagine that he's switching over to Tesla. And by the way, the culture is so different. Herbert is really totally different guy. I doubt that he would fit very well into Zinfinian. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, I doubt that he um, would fit very well, that he would bring a lot of added value, not in Europe even, um, you know, the team is pretty brilliant here in Europe already. The Tesla team is doing a fine job. Reputation-wise, yes, this would change here and there a little bit. But no, I, I can't imagine that he's doing that. We will see. Time will tell, but I, I can't imagine. 
Okay. And a shout out to Tessa Buber Mama, Alexander Mertz. Thank you for uh, for uh, getting us up to speed with that. If you don't follow her on Twitter, please do. What are you doing with your life? Tessa Buber Mama, look her up. Next question. Uh, Damon, if the EV credit was done correctly, would it change Tesla production? Um, I mean, the way I'm thinking about this one is if, if the Model Y five-seater, which is really the big one that's being left out, if it's probably still going to be the best-selling car in the U.S. in 2023, uh, if the incentive, if it was $7,500 cheaper, uh, they would, they're probably already production constrained on the car. They would 100% be production constrained on the car, and it would just become a function of how much does Tesla have to raise the price and to ensure, <laughs> or or you know, like just play with the price to ensure that the wait times don't get too long. Because now you know they're going through this whole we're getting rid of the wave. We're trying to fill the the pipeline with vehicles in transit so that people don't have to wait months to get their car. So it would just mess up that equation uh, further than it has now. What what are your thoughts? Mine. Yeah, I think I think what we should also take into account here is the deflationary forces Elon talked about a few times and SEC mm. too. So in terms of pricing, they anticipate uh, the pricing changes of raw materials, for instance, and they bake this into the pricing of the vehicles already. And with the deflation that is happening here on the on the on the raw material side, for instance, which is quite significant pricing would go probably down already by keeping the margin. So what I'm trying to say here is you probably don't have to do a lot anyhow to reduce the price, still keeping high demand and keeping the margin. Maybe I'm too positive here, but we've seen Tesla over the years improving all the time, and I don't see this changing right now. So a portion of that improvement would probably be eaten by potential price reductions. So therefore, I, I don't see a big issue here, as you just said. And I actually believe that the Model Y will be the best-selling BV, BEV in the world in this year. So that's that's my take on that. Um, yeah. I mean, let's think about it. In, in Germany, we just have now um, two new colors on top of black and white. Think about <laughs> it. It's crazy. This is nothing. You can't <laughs> choose really a lot of variations on that car. It's, you know, people are overly negative about um, incentives and and re potential recession, which actually I don't see in Europe at the moment at all. Um, so in the U.S. I hear this all the time, but if I look at the numbers, I don't know. I mean, interest rate from the central banks are at 2.5% in Europe, 25 They just guided for two, two other rates increases of 0.5 so we end up at 3.5 percent yes this is higher than zero which we had for a long time <laughs> but you know this is not going to stop people from buying a car i, I doubt that and um unemployment rates are really extremely low um business going good the sentiment consumer sentiment is is improving and the sentiment in the industry has improved as well so the government in Germany is guiding for a soft landing and no recession. Um, yes, there are, you know, institutes who have a different opinion, but I believe you are going to have a soft landing here in Europe. So I don't see that. Wow. And in Asia, you know, if you have an autocracy like in China, they have an advantage in terms of how to design the economy. 
And I believe that China can do this pretty, pretty nicely. Um, the COVID situation is bad, no doubt. Um, they messed this up totally, completely. Uh, but now they're changing course. So it's going to be a tough time for, I don't know, three months, six months, you name it. But then it's going to be over. And if there's one thing China's government has interest in is keeping the economy going. They will do all and everything. And in the US, we have the IRA and a couple of other acts who are really supporting the economy. So I don't see a really bad recession. I see probably a soft recession to a soft landing. That's, that's my uneducated guess about it. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I've been trying to track as hard as humanly possible is like the the biggest risk from an investment thesis perspective that Tesla could suffer from theoretically has nothing to do with competition or nothing to do with their internal execution. It's recession. It's a severe hardcore recession that's similar to, say, 20, 2008, 2009, that's going to completely destroy people's ability to buy any car. And so, which will put Tesla behind, you know, between a rock and a hard place per se to decide, are we going to make money? Or are we going to pump units out the door? And Elon was very clear in saying we're going to maximize unit production and just kind of go break even until we are on the other side. And then when we're on the other side, we turn on full self-driving and then all those cars start making ridiculous amounts, amounts of money while everybody else is bankrupt. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, that exactly. doesn't seem like a bad spot, you know? So, um, yeah, that that's so. I'm I'm keeping my eyes very closely, uh, sort of looking on 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 that trend and seeing where we go. Go ahead. I see. I see. There is another point that I'd like to make here in terms of yeah. how the analysts are looking at this. Is like we're gonna have 10 million less vehicles sold in the next year simply because the demand is going down. But what they don't look at is that you know yes, it's probably happening, but these are usually the low income households who can't afford anymore to buy a car. If you are in the market for a 60K Model Y already, you know, 5K back or forth doesn't change that much necessarily your appetite to get this car. So what I'm trying to say is when the overall market is going down and less vehicles are sold worldwide, I believe the impact on Tesla will be smaller compared to this smaller um, you know, car segment. So therefore, the mm -hmm. impact for Tesla will be not as severe. That's my my belief. And again, maybe I'm too positive. I'm often too positive. I'm a positive thinker, but you and um, I both. that's how I see it. <laughs> yeah, you and I both. But and I constantly try to to uh, to challenge that thesis. You know, by by reading as many bears reports and I, bear reports as I can, and looking on the other side. It's just. Yeah. Um, like uh, bears that make great points around the fundamentals of the company and how it's going to be impacted. They're few and far between. And I commend those that like Drew, I'm blanking on his on his last name, but on Twitter, uh, Drew, my God, I forget his name. He's great. He's on he's on my feed. If you guys want to look him up, he's a bear, uh, but he's a bear on Tesla's valuation. He understands Tesla's business model. Um, so that's that's a completely different story. And he's somebody that I that I really bounce off of. But um, all right, we're two hours in. I think we're going to call it here. Uh, thank you all so much for your questions. Thank you so much for sticking with us. Uh, thank you, Alex, for joining me today. I, I found this to be a very productive conversation. Learned a ton from you. 
So thank you very much for making the time. Uh, please take a few minutes to, you know, give us your closing thoughts and plug anything that you'd like to plug. Your, I know you have a Patreon where, uh, you know, I put it in the description as well. Uh, I, I strong, strongly encourage people to sign up to his Patreon. Uh, he, uh, he writes about EVs and sort of the legacy auto uh, uh, industry and Tesla and all this good stuff. So Alex, yeah, I'll give you the mic for a few minutes. Close us out. Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for having me, Fazar. This was really an interesting conversation as well on my side. So I'm always learning. I'm, I'm actually I only do stuff where I learn something because I, that that's you know bringing me forward, and I I really enjoyed this conversation. Productive, I think, and and happy if I could add a little bit value for the community here. And uh, as you said, I mean, I'm I'm gonna be around this year. Of course, I'm having my Patreon page where I publish, for instance, a weekly newsletter um, where I mainly talk about Europe and and automakers in Europe. I also touch on Tesla, obviously, because the factory is here in Germany and we get sometimes interesting information too. Um, I also uh, do an investment letter and I'm not sure how I'm going to change this this year. I may change my structure a little bit, go more on videos or reactivate my own um, YouTube channel that I have used in the beginning pretty much, but later on not, not that often. So we will see. And, um, you know, it's I think overall it's a fantastic community that we have in terms of the Tesla community. I'm always appreciating the conversation. And I also believe we should be more kind to each other. So when I when I tweet sometimes something, it's coming, you know, Germans are, Germans are a little bit harsh sometimes in the way they express things, so don't get me wrong all the time. Um, but I believe um, it helps everybody to have different points of views and we should, we should, you know, continue this conversation because it's helpful in particular at times like this where a lot of people are uncertain where Tesla is going to um, just because the stock price went down. And uh, you heard what I'm thinking about it, but this is going to be an ongoing conversation. Nobody knows where the stock is heading to tomorrow, this week. We will see. But uh, you heard me long term. I'm, I'm very, very bullish on Tesla. Yeah, and thank you so much for sharing those opinions. He's, he's truly a great follow on, on, on Twitter, Alex underscore A, underscore A, Fucked. Did I get that yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, Hoped. pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> close enough. Thank you. You're, yeah. you're uh, entertaining me. I appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, make sure you follow him on Twitter again. His link to his Patreon in the description. I'm sure you can hear my dogs in the background. Very excited about his Patreon as well. Uh, but yeah, thank you again, Alex. Really appreciate you. Thank you, everybody who... Uh, who commented, watched. Uh, one of the things that I'm most proud about is the comments section on our channel is so uh, it's very civilized and there's really good discourse uh, 99% of the time. So I really want to commend everybody who's come by and, and really, uh, you know, added to the conversation. So all of us can, I, I couldn't agree more with what you said. Let's all try to be nicer to each other and so we can navigate this uh, very confusing time somewhat uh, better off because as, as investors, signals in, in, in very noisy uh, areas is the best way to really be successful in the future and to really capitalize on opportunities. So with that, Alex, thank you. Producer wife, great job. Thank you so much again for uh, being the awesome supportive wife that you are. Give yourself a round of applause. Uh, lovely support. And yeah, well, we're going to sign off. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, producer wife. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you in the next one. Take it easy, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you. <laughs>